Hey, welcome in. Welcome in, everybody, to the Oh No Disc Golf Podcast. Thank you for being here. We appreciate you listening. It's going to be a fantastic episode. We have a lot of fun stuff planned. I just wanted to real quick introduce my best friend in the entire world, Eric Wolverton. That's me, guys. That's Eric. <laughs> Eric, do you have anything else to say? Uh, just uh, really excited. We got, uh, I think we had a wonderful launch week. I had a lot of, a lot of good feedback. Uh, no one was mean, so I didn't have to do any crying. Right. Uh, I'm really excited for our fifth episode and to start doing this weekly instead of uh, trying to fit it all in as, as soon and as often as we can. Yeah, it, it, it was a whole process getting the getting launched, but now it's going to hopefully will fit more into like a routine kind of feel. Yes, definitely. And hopefully we won't have technical problems as we have had this whole past, you know, trying to record this episode. Oh, there'll always be technical problems. I think that'll don't be a you, you know, Don't you worry. <laughs> as long as we get it out on Wednesday, I think I think everyone will be happy. Definitely. Uh, today we're going to be going over a few great things. We're going to be going over the All-Star recap. We're going to go over like, you know, who won and all the fun stuff there. Uh, we're going to do some Las Vegas challenge predictions. Uh, are we going to do the fantasy disc golf thing? Yeah, I think we should just, uh, we'll pick our skip base team, um, let you know how what we picked together, and uh, maybe next time we'll give you how, how we did. Sweet. And uh, also we're going to go over some disc golf terms for beginners because we realize that there's a lot of like first timers listening to this podcast too which is awesome we definitely want to introduce as many people as possible to the sport so we're going to go over some like terms that we may have said in the past episodes that might not make sense there's some buzzwords in disc golf that we say a lot (laughs) yeah we use it a lot like it's our second language right yeah well there was a time where we didn't understand it you know right absolutely i was like wait what is a hyzer again yeah (laughs) <laughs> what's a hyzer and a hand hyzer which one is which way big news guys head on over to our teespring store and use the code oh no to get free shipping you can find the link on our website at ohnodiscgolf.com or you can check out our teespring store at teespring.com backslash stores backslash oh no disc golf thanks guys so real quick go follow us on our social medias, we are everywhere at Ono oh Disc Golf. So, Eric, what are we talking about first today? Now we're going to recap the All Star Weekend, kind of give you our thoughts on how it went, and uh, tell you tell you kind of what happened. Um, if you guys weren't able to watch it, or if you didn't check out our last episode, um, it was a quite a different way of doing doing a tournament. The format was interesting. Yes, there we go. Format. That's the word I was looking for. Nailed it. <laughs> I don't know words. Kyle knows <laughs> words. No, but I got you. Uh, yeah, the format was uh, really interesting. There was a lot of opinions being spoken on the internet about it. Yeah, I mean, I know a lot of people didn't like it. I enjoyed it. Again, I enjoyed it too. I wasn't expecting, you know, it's not, uh, it doesn't count for ratings or anything like that. It's just kind of get out there, get everybody playing, um, you know, have fun is, is, is the main thing. So. Do you think the mission was accomplished? Do you think fun was had? Yeah. I mean, I think even, even, you know, 
the people who weren't doing the greatest still had a lot of fun, still enjoyed, you know, maybe playing with a partner they wouldn't, you know, normally play with stuff like that. I, it was, it was very, I enjoyed it very much, even if, uh, um, I didn't get to see all of the shots I probably would have liked to see, but gotcha. Yeah. I had a great time watching. I was locked in when it was on. <laughs> Maybe by the time it, you know, I start watching a few more tournaments, I realize I hated it because it could have been just that it was finally, finally able to watch live disc golf again. I was yep. just like pumped, pumped to sit down and watch it. Yep. It was, it was just, I just had that same thing. I, I actually posted on Twitter. I was like I, reacting to somebody's negative comment. I was like, I'm just happy to have disc golf on right now. Like, yep. how are you complaining? Yeah. And it's, I mean, everyone complains that they're paying for it, but I don't, I mean, if you're a PDGA member, you get it cut in half and it's only $5 a month. Otherwise, even 10, I really don't think it's that big of a deal. Yeah. I mean, with how quickly, you know, how I quickly I'll, I'll buy discs. Um, <laughs> so half a, five, $5. Half a yeah. Man, take my money. Yeah. So um, <laughs> I'm all for it. Right. Even if maybe hopefully I'm helping them just grow and get better. Uh, well, anyway, let's just talk about it. Uh, First day on Saturday, they did the all-star doubles. So the teams they had was uh, starting at fourth, Ricky Wysocki and Kevin Jones ended their Saturday at even par. And then the next three teams all tied at four under. Um, and that was McMahon and Dickerson, uh, Macbeth and Conrad and Heinberg and Gerthy. So those were all, I mean, all of them were great teams. Uh, I think the only thing from what I watched that made it a little bit different is I felt like Ricky and Kevin were playing more of singles golf and just figuring out what shot to take later rather than trying to play like smart and play as a team. Gotcha. I don't know, I don't know if you got that feeling. That's just how I, I seen it. It just kind of seemed like they were having some bad shots, it, and it happens. It, it was really windy, so I don't know. Yeah. They, they weren't Doesn't like, take much, <laughs> right? Especially on worst shot, like it's it's pretty easy to have things go bad in the wind, especially yeah. when you're still trying to throw rollers and stuff. Yeah, well, and then all of the shots that are like next to water have that really slanting away green towards the water. So all it takes is one lousy skip, and there's oh, an yeah. extra stroke. Yep, and there was even like an upshot that KJ threw. Um, it looked fine, and then I turns out it actually went OB. Like yep. he, there was just little things like that that you wouldn't even think would happen with these two players, and it really set them back for the second day. Yeah, but I'd had a couple really fun quotes from KJ and uh, Ricky. Even when they were doing pretty bad, it was still pretty fun. Uh, one was like Ricky said, "Good, good bogey, Kev." Like, like he was like, good job, but it was still bogey. So it was, I don't know, something I would say a little like you, you know. Right. We were playing so, doubles. Hopefully yeah. we get a chance to play a double tournament sometime. Man, that would be so much fun, wouldn't it? Yeah. I mean, plane tickets are pretty cheap. You could fly out here really quick. So could you. You, you like flying. No, I don't. <laughs> you like flying more than I do. Also, did you see the crazy uh, Dickerson putt? Uh, yeah, the wind, the windy one. Yep, the windy one off the top of the basket and went into the backside of the basket, which I've, I mean, I've seen it in like a practice where I'm like just tossing putts, but I've never seen it in like a tournament before. Yeah, that was like a wind was wind had Dickerson that day, right? 
And there was a good amount of razzing going on too. Cause Kevin Jones ran up to him and said, garbage. Yeah. Well, I mean, you gotta make fun of your teammate, right? <laughs> My only qualm at all um, was that the, we only saw coverage from the first day from like one card on the MPO side. FPO coverage was better at the end, but it was pretty choppy. Um, yeah. So if you were like buying in just to watch FPO, I think it would be a little bit disappointing. I think I, my quarrel with the coverage is on the first day, they didn't get any of one card on FPO. Like not even, it wasn't even, didn't seem even seem like a one shot here or there. And then they seemed like they were splitting up MPO, but it wasn't enough to really keep track of what was going on. I fell asleep, so I didn't get to finish all of it. Um, and I watched it in like two different parts. So I could, could be wrong, but that's what I remember of it. It was like, it was like little cuts here and there from both cards on MPO, but not, not enough to like really get like synced into it. Yeah, I would say if there was like, you know, a beginner player who had just gotten into the sport over the pandemic and that was their first experience to live disc golf, it wasn't a very good representation. Day yeah. two was a lot better, I will say that. Yeah, I think what's kind of hard is, the, you know, they're trying to somewhat keep track of four cards, which is more than they usually do. Like normally it's like they will keep track of the lead card and then check in on chase card and breaks. But when they're all kind of like, not really, you know, and they're all like, you know, starting, starting even, it's kind of like you want to watch whatever you can, but um, I would have just preferred just record MPO and FPO for like feature cards and let it run. And then maybe get some highlight reels from the second cards. Yeah. Well, what happened second day? No, on the second day was a doozy. It was, uh, it was probably one of the best, most exciting starts to disc golf that we could have ever seen i'm just going to do the top four uh coming in at fourth is he came back from his first day kevin jones he ended with eight down that was um, my, my pick yep sure was um i forgot to write down dickerson's score but he came in third and then uh calvin heinberg and Macbeth went into a playoff at 12 under um and all it took was one hole and Macbeth Macbeth parked it and Heimberg threw it OB, which is pretty crazy to see. I feel like Heimberg is one of the most consistent and like um, most accurate players. I agree. A nice um in there. And a... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I smacked my lips a lot. I'm sorry. It's okay. <laughs> Yeah, it was insane to watch the playoff. Like, I was so excited to, like, get extra disc golf. And then it ended in one hole. I was like, well, that was a little bit anticlimactic. But, yeah, that's all it takes, especially when, at, like, when the first hole's, what, how many feet over water? Almost 400, I think. I think it's, like, 398 or something Yeah, all over written, water. I have it written down. Let me see it. It is. Oh, I didn't write it down. <laughs> <laughs> Damn it. I got this. Good job, Just Kyle. Kidding. No, I wrote down the average of the holes next to it, but I did not write down hole one. Gotcha. That's but it's just a biggest. sick big hyzer over the water. I think it was actually probably my favorite hole out of all of them in terms of just like, that's a great way to open. Yeah, it's probably one of the most, um, I don't know if terrifying is the right word, but like. Challenging. Yeah, challenging and just uh 
like makes you think about it more than anything. It's not an island, but to get to the pin, you're really playing with fire in terms of, well, water. You're playing with water. And it, and I guess at the end, I didn't realize it, but that's recycled, like, wastewater. Yep. And that's why they don't want you climbing in it. And I saw a person climb in it. At, like right a, at the end, right? Yeah, it was gross. I was like, oh, no. Yeah, he ain't afraid of no, no poo-poo or pee-pee. <laughs> But anyway, the playoff was amazing. I thought it was like a really fantastic tournament overall. Yeah, yeah, that, and that's cool because they uh, just removed the memorial from uh, the tour, the pro tour. So it was nice still just to be able to see that course because it's uh, with the fountain and everything going. It's a really, really pretty course, and it's fun to watch them just the pros just get up there and bomb because it's all you have to do. Agreed. You have to throw bombs. You have to. Or else you're in the water in the in the in the nasty water right all right moving on to the fpo uh fpo was uh pretty exciting too actually i really enjoyed it for for the most part um uh team four was weiss jessica weiss and sarah hokum team three was missy gannon and Haley king uh coming in second was Paige pierce and heather young and then coming in first for the only team to uh make it under par for the first day was Katrina Allen and Kona Panis. They shot well. Yeah, they played. They played really well. So it was. Uh, it was really exciting to see um, Kona's. Like, I think it's going to be like Kona's Panis's like really big breakout year, especially after watching this. And uh, I watch a lot of her stuff on Instagram. So um, she seems like she's really, really gearing up for a good year this year. I didn't realize she had such a power throw. Yeah, you don't, I mean, other than Paige Pierce, most people don't think of, of anyone throwing like super hard on the on the FPO side, but there's some bombers over there. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, what I really enjoyed seeing in the, on Saturday was how good of a teammate Paige Pierce was to Heather Young, because Heather Young's kind of like a new up-and-comer, and you can see she didn't really trust herself with a lot of a lot of shots. And Paige Pierce said, "You know, I trust you. Um, if if you don't trust yourself, just you know, play to your strengths, and uh, we will do our best from there." And um, I think Paige Pierce really like embodied embodied like the how how you should handle playing with uh, people who maybe not be at your skill level. Yeah, she was almost like a like a coach at that moment. Yeah, she's really just trying to build her up and and uh, help her confidence as well as her skills. I was down with it too. It was pretty nice to see. I guess, you know, when you've spent the whole off season in Hawaii, you can't come back with nothing else but a positive Positive, attitude. Yeah, positive vibes. (laughs) Yeah, she said she wants to buy land there, so. That'd be pretty sweet. New disc golf course. Right, I don't think the positivity is going away. New disc golf course going in Hawaii. Well, Eric, tell me about day two. Uh, day two was uh, pretty exciting too. The, you know, the lead card was filled with Paige Pierce, Cat, and Kona, so it was exciting to see all all of them again. Um, but Jessica Weiss ended up coming in fourth, Paige Pierce coming in third, which I originally predicted before we re-recorded. So, got you guys. Yep. <laughs> uh, Katrina Allen came in second, and Kona Panis brought in the win. And she, I mean, it was like a, it was almost like a Paige Pierce type win where there was, it was going to, Katrina was going to have to do a lot to be able to catch her. 
So that was that was pretty sweet to just kind of see another dominant FPO win. Um, it just feels like everyone's starting to catch up to Paige Pierce. It was weird watching Paige Pierce take a back seat and just kind of yeah. like not. She you could tell she was really trying to come back because she was playing super aggressively, but she ended up going out of bounds just over and over again the second day so i think she figured out that you know it doesn't well not figured out but realized that it doesn't you know it doesn't matter if she loses it doesn't mean anything might as well go for highlight reel shots right right i guess yeah uh kona panis had a really sweet throw in oh yeah i can't remember what holds it on but i remember seeing the highlights it was insane probably 120 feet what do you think somewhere in there yeah, something like that. I can't. I the highlight was all over Instagram for a while, so I feel like I should know it. But it's crazy. But yeah, excellent weekend from the FPO. Extremely entertaining. I would like it if it was two separate broadcasts. Yeah, that would make it. I think if they get another like female uh, spokesperson to get on there with Valerie Jenkins um, and just yeah broadcast it separately, because I would I would go through and watch all of FPO after I was done with the MPO for sure. Also, on day one, I think it was a little bit confusing to be going back and forth when they were on best shot and worst shot. Oh, yeah. It was probably confusing for beginners who didn't even realize what that meant. Like, I know they explained it at the beginning, but if you, like, came in after that. I think I even texted you about how I woke up and assumed uh, Calvin and Gerthy were going to win it, but it was on worst shot doubles, and I forgot that 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 was even a thing and i was like oh yeah just like i predicted calvin and girthy right <laughs> well i picked predicted calvin and kj but i kept calvin and girthy so eric what are we doing uh we're gonna start talking about the las vegas challenge uh we got ourselves a skip ace league this year and we're making it kyle versus eric versus the podcast so we're gonna pick a pick a team on air uh every time we can and we'll see how we compete against compete against it and eric what's skip ace um it's the fantasy disc golf i almost said fantasy football (laughs) so if you've ever played fantasy football it's kind of like uh daily fantasy where you have a set salary and then you pick players based off of their PDGA rating. That's the salary number. So you start with what, $6,000, Eric? Yep, you get $6,000 each uh, each tournament, and you get to pick four MPO picks and two FPO. So, yeah, it's, it was, uh, so this is our first time ever actually playing it, and I don't know about you, but I'm pretty excited. I'm super excited, man. Love fantasy. <laughs> yeah, we were always kind of like making grip six, pick six, our fantasy, but now that we actually have something, uh, this will be a lot of fun. Yeah, should be pretty sweet to be able to like track it a little bit more. Yeah. So what do we want to start with? FPO or MPO? Let's start with FPO. So gonna want to pick someone a little bit lower on the rating list for our second pick, right? Yeah. I think both of us like the Kona Star Panis pick. Do we want to yeah. go with that right go away? Go with the momentum. Yeah, she and I think she's gonna have a breakout year. Yep. And then I'll let you go ahead and pick somebody a little bit lower on the lower on the PDGA ratings. So pick someone lower than Kona? Do you think or is that our lower pick? 926. I mean, it's like kind of right in the middle for ratings. I think I'd be pretty happy with like a Rebecca Cox. I like her as a FPO player. She's not too much higher. 929. Um, that Alexis 
Manduano. I don't know how to pronounce her last name, so I apologize. Um, but she just got sponsored by Discraft. Um, she's a pretty pretty good female player. Um, Trust you got. Just pick one. All right. We're going with Alexis Manduahan. I'm just not even going to say it because it just makes me look worse, I think. It makes me look like an idiot. So we got 4,146 left. So that means we have a good – we should be able to pick, pick a good M- MPO squad. Yeah, we can get chalky. We can pick some top players. Yep. So do you want to start with the top players and go down or – Bottom and go up. Top players go down. Well, right. I, I usually don't really like going in order. It's just kind of how I okay. think of them. Pick, pick what you got. I definitely think we need to go with Heimberg. Okay, cool. Because I wanted Heimberg in my personal one and I didn't. So now I get a bet on him in another one. Absolutely. I think he's basically guaranteed to be at least top three. All right, you would think. He got first in 2019. So hopefully he brings that fire. Yeah. Um, one person who always does good and he's, he's expensive though, too. He's, you know, over t- his 1050 is Eagle. Eagle always does good in Las Vegas. I don't know if he'll be first, but he always does pretty good. Um, Nate Sexton won last year. He's a little bit lower. Gives us, you know, an extra eight points. I'm down with Eagle. I don't know about Sexton. What do you, you think? I think he's been there for a while. He's been in Las Vegas practicing for a while. So I think he has a good chance at doing pretty good. Put him on there. With Eagle or with Eagle. All right. So we got 1,000. We got to pick a 1,003 rated player then. Okay. Which is not very easy. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Well, maybe take Sexton off and we can do two players that are a little bit lower. Yeah. That's, uh, but a a little bit, but a little bit higher. Like, uh, yeah, we could do, like, I think we could do Kyle Klein and, like, Ulaberry or Kyle Klein and somewhere around that. Okay, Kyle Klein. Oh, can we do Ezra? Yep, we can add Ezra. Okay, we can do Kyle Klein and Ezra. All right. I think that's a power team. Yep, we bet, it, we bet on Ezra in every every aspect of it. So we're if all, I can, all yeah, in on if, Ezra. I'm all in on that guy. He's... He's going to do it. Yeah, I hope he wins. All right, lock and picks right now. Lock it in, lock it in, lock it in. And that has been our, what is it called again? Skip ace? Picks. Dang it. <laughs> it's uh, it's skip ace. It. <laughs> yeah, that's how I read it. I don't know why, but skip ace. Um, so some other things to note um about the lvc the las vegas challenge is that we just um, i'm kind of thinking about it. i don't know how much kyle's thinking about it but it'll be sext sexton's first time on tour since last year um he won last year is he going to come back and defend his title what do you think i think he's got a good chance i don't i i guess I don't have a very strong opinion on it, so I don't really want to go in on it. What do you, what do you think? You think he's got a good chance? I think he's got a good chance to protect yeah, to protect his title from last year. I think I mean uh, obviously he won it, right? So Yeah. He knows he knows what he's doing. Winning. Yeah, he knows what knows the course pretty well, probably knows what he's doing there. I think he plays uh he plays a lot of smart golf. Um even though he's famous for running it, I think he's smart enough to know when is a good time to run it and when is a good time to play smart golf. Gotcha. So he's a smart golfer. Yeah. 
but you know runs it when it's when it's smart to run it you know i do like them firebirds oh yeah i know i wish i had one but alas um another thing i think is interesting is we will see if do you think the all-stars will have less of an advantage or more of an advantage they already had like a warm-up round you know they're already feeling like competitive but the, it's not that course yeah yeah the other players have been practicing this whole week whereas they most of them just got in like yesterday or the day before that to las vegas um no no yesterday because it's only tuesday but they got in yesterday so they have a little bit less time to play you know there there's going to be it's going to be interesting to see because yeah i mean if if you follow like any of the players um, on Instagram or Facebook or whatever, all they've been posting is them just playing like practice rounds with other random, uh, random pros, you know, uh, Nate Perkins was just on playing rounds with Connor O'Reilly and Ezra Adderhold, uh, Aderhold, sorry. I'm really bad with last names. Me too. Yeah. Any pronunciation. I'm just like, eh, I'll try my best. Something. So what do you think? More advantage or less? I think there there's two sides to it. So it was probably a good thing for like one building momentum for like Paul McBeth, Heimberg, people who performed well at the tournament. KJ is going to have some good um, positivity going on. But then there is the negative side that they didn't get to practice. And it, it does help a lot to do an entire week of practice at a specific course. So you can really dial in your shots. You can practice at, at pretty much everywhere, any shot that you're going to have um, in tournament play. It's, it really is beneficial to have a lot of time on a course. Yeah. Take a lot of notes. The most of the pros that played at uh, the all-stars weekend have played at the Las Vegas challenge. So really is it that big of a disadvantage? No, because they probably played there before anyway. So they probably know the course, but feel like there's always a lot of changes to each course i know like one they made a triple mando and it's like this little you got to go up a hill and then down a hill but you still have to make like this small like gated mando i know that's just like one hole but they're playing i think three different courses i could be wrong gotcha so is it significantly different than other years past i don't know i guess i haven't watched enough of because it's only been like you know little blurps here and there on different instagrams showing me what's going on so So i'd say i I go back and forth on it it's an advantage but also kind of a disadvantage i feel like when you're this good um one bad round isn't gonna make or break you i mean unless you have like an absolute horrible round but like one one you know not perfect round isn't gonna make or break your chances for winning either uh, so, yeah, that's pretty much a breakdown of what we think is going to be going on at the LVC. Um, our next topic we are going to be talking about is the uh, different terms that we use um, and our understanding of them. So uh, we may not be 100% on every single one, but it'll give you a better understanding as you listen to our podcast in the future. Yeah, so if you were listening to like the first four episodes and you heard something, we'll probably cover it right here. No, hopefully. Hopefully we're smart enough to do that. Yeah. Number one, hyzer. Easy. The top of the disc is facing away from you. Kyle's favorite thing. Yeah, that is literally my favorite thing. And that is with a um, forehand, forehand, right hand, or a backhand, right hand. Even, um, isn't it the same thing for lefties? Yeah, it'll still... 
Heiser, yeah. no matter what, the disc is going to be the top of the disc is going to be facing you, facing away from you. Sorry, facing away from you. Yes. <laughs> and then we come to Anheuser, which is the opposite. Guess what? The top of the disc is going to be facing you. Easy. How you would get like uh, how we probably use the term flex shots. Um, you would throw it on uh, over. Uh, we'll explain all of these again, but you take an overstable disc and throw it on an Anheuser, um, so it, then it flexes back and ends uh, left for right hand backhand throwers, and the exact opposite for left hand. Yep. Yeah. And that brings us to our next term, Eric. What's an overstable disc? An overstable disc is a very beefy disc. Um, it wants to go left. That would be like your Firebirds, Nuke overstables, their Nuke OSs. Uh, what are some other overstable discs that are? So it's discs that have a high fade number, right? Yes. Yeah, we have. Should we, we probably should have done flight numbers first, huh? Yeah, flight numbers are are confusing for beginners, and I totally understand that. The first number, there's four numbers, and it's it's a different language. And there's actually T-shirts that I've seen that say, if you can read this, we're friends. And it's just like four numbers. So the first number is for speed. That's how fast you need to throw the disc for it to fly correctly. Basically follow the rest of the three flight numbers. Yeah. Uh, second one's glide. And that's how much distance it'll get kind of after it loses power. So like after it hits that peak, how much, how much uh, more time it'll spend like floating through the air or gliding through the air. The third number is turn. Yeah. That's how quickly it will turn over. Meaning if you throw it flat, it's going to go to the right. If you're a right-handed backhand player. So they come, the turn is the only one I think that comes in negative and positive numbers. I'm pretty sure I could be wrong. Um, so a positive turn means it's going to fight left, right? Or right, right hand, backhand throws, it's going to fight left. Um, kind of like your justice or the new tilt. It really wants to get left. Immediately. Yes. Um, and then a negative turn means it's going to help you turn over um, and go, go right. Essentially, if you have a little bit slower arm speed, you can throw it on a hyzer and it will still flip up to flat or even turn over if it has a pretty, uh, like an understable turn number, like, yeah. which is a negative number. This is like if you're trying to buy an out of the box roller, you're going to want to find something with the highest negative number you can find. Yep. And then the last one. So the last one is fade, and that is how far left for right hand backhand throwers it'll fade like uh, normally you'll see like what probably one through three normally in there it would be like the typical typical ones i think i think i have a couple that have four okay i can't really i can't remember all of mine offhand but uh you'll see like uh you won't really see like really high numbers like you would with speed um and that just means yeah like how much farther it'll come back after after it may turn or um, get right how much farther it'll come back to like the center line I call it and that's flight numbers that's how it's you read it blamed by us <laughs> yeah long story short uh, am by amateurs for amateurs um, four numbers that are fairly easy to read and then you immediately know what that disc does or should do, should do each company is a little bit off so even like certain companies may not have the same exact judging for what flight numbers are because there's no 
100% way to judge it. It's just judged per comp, like each company judges it differently. So you're not gonna, it's just, it gives you a what's rough outlook of what the disc will do. I agree with that because you go from manufacturer to manufacturer and some discs that like specifically I've had like an MVP disc that I thought was supposed to be more understable, but that thing flies essentially like a T-Bird for me. And it has like a negative one turn, whereas the T-Bird has a zero. So that's their, their opinion. Yeah. It's all opinions, but it should, it still gives you a small idea of what you're going to be doing with it. Yep. So back to overstable. Overstable are discs with high fades. Yeah. So now that you know what fade is. <laughs> yep. Uh, yeah. You. It's. Uh, it's gonna go left. As far left yep. as you let it go, it'll. It'll go there basically. Yep. Put it on a hyzer or a flat, and it'll. It'll go left. Good. Uh, good uh, headwind discs. Not good tailwind discs. Um, good downhill discs. Not good uphill discs. Or you can be like me and just throw it everywhere. Throw a hyzer on everything. All the time. Um, then stable is kind of in the middle. They're like your straight flying discs. Usually I would say like they're normally your workhorses. The discs you're pulling out kind of uh, almost every other hole to kind of get a good good flight out of it. Good straight flight with that little bit of left fade. And what would you consider stable versus overstable? Is like a T-Bird stable or overstable? Um, I think like fresh out the box, I feel like T-Birds are kind of like right in between that thing, but like, think like T-Birds are, are made to be stable, you know, like, right, cause you would, you would say that most of your T-Birds after using them for a while are a pretty big laser beam with like dependable left fade. Correct. Yeah. So I would say that is stable in my opinion. Again, these are all like, I feel like. All all the overstable, stable, and understables are going to be kind of base bias on your arm speed too. So real quick, we'll go over overstable, but then I want to skip into plastic effects. Okay, understable, right? Yep, that's what I meant to say. Sorry. So understable are the discs that want to go right. They uh, or roll. They have a, <laughs> yeah, they have a the turn would be in the negative numbers for that. And they, uh, yeah, they're really good for learning hyzer flips. Um, if you know how to throw on a hyzer, if you take a understable disc and you throw it on a hyzer, it'll flip up and maybe even go right. If not, it'll flip flip up and kind of go straight for a while. Um, if you're still working on your form, a good disc to practice this with would be uh, um, like a lower speed, mid-range, like a Comet, a Meteor, Soul would even be pretty good for it. The Origin, the new disc newer disc mania origin is really good for learning a hyzer flip what a disc did you learn a hyzer flip with or how understable would you say that yours was that you learned like how to throw hyzer flips the really beaten truth was my because i started with mostly like dx truths and i had a biofusion truth and after a while a really beaten truth will be a hyzer flip machine yeah so Yes, it will. So that was my main. Uh, lately, I've been using more of like the Meteor. I have an ESP Meteor that I love hyzer flipping with. Oh, so in case we haven't explained exactly what a hyzer flip is, you throw it on a hyzer and it flips up to flat and either turns or comes back. Turns meaning goes to the right. Yes, and turns, turn, turns, turns, turns over from, from flat to right a little bit but still has a little bit of fade at the end of the shot. 
it's hard to explain all this stuff yeah it makes sense in our heads trust us it, it really does <laughs> and then really quickly let's talk about how um how plastic uh, affects the flight okay um do you want to kick it off sure uh different plastics will make discs go from understable to overstable being the same mold of disc meaning it can be the same disc just with different plastic it can do something completely different yeah it's very it gets very confusing tell them about your uh broken firebird i have a dx firebird that has just a it took a chunk out of the bottom of the flight plate out of the rim not the flight plate sorry and because i threw it directly onto some pavement like right away and it does not fly like a firebird in any way it it flies more i don't know what would you put that at i feel like it flies like an ft but i've never thrown it maybe like a tl3 which is essentially an ft yeah so yeah like that It, it it turns and then glides forever which doesn't make any sense um it's supposed to be a meat overstable meat hook beefy uh you know just awesome reliable but it's not but i have the exact same disc in the tour series the sexy firebird and it goes left so hard it is one of my favorite like point and shoot uh i have a few of those pretty overstable meat hook where I can get it very consistently about 275 to 260, somewhere in there. You know where it's going to go, and that's that's probably the most, one most one of the most important things is just I'll never consistent. lose it. Yeah, but you have to essentially look at each manufacturer to how their different plastic will affect will affect the mold. Not only will it affect the flight right off the beginning, a a premium plastic will take longer to kind of beat in and change the flight of it. Um, Whereas like a DX or a prime plastic or anything like that, after a couple of tree hits, you might find it's completely different than when you originally bought it. Um, Whereas like a Champion, Lucid, um, Sea Line, all that stuff will take a little bit longer to kind of change how it flies. Which is crazy. Like I have a Champion Thunderbird that I got about halfway through the summer and it is the exact same as the day I got it. There's no change in its flight. It is overstable and it will be overstable for probably forever. Yeah. For quite a while. Start with the cheaper plastics when you're trying out a bunch of discs at the beginning to figure out what you like. And then buy a bunch of the same uh, mold, like a T-Bird, but just buy it in a few different plastics. You'll get a bunch of different uh, flight patterns out of those discs, and you can kind of figure out which one you like the best or, like, which one beats in uh, at a good rate and you like that. Um, it's just you can really tune in which disc you like. And uh, just adding on that, and I don't know how true this is. This has always been, like, speculation. Um, the flight numbers for Innova were created for DX Plastic. Um and then when you buy like star or champion plastic for Innova, you have to beat it to those flight numbers. That's just, that's just like, well, a lot of people have said over the years, again, I don't know how true it is, but. Um, From it, personal experience, I would agree with that. My star T-Bird is much more overstable than 
when I had my DX T-Bird, same thing with, <laughs> and that was a funny story. Go back to what, what episode was that? Episode three? Uh, something like that. I don't remember. Episode three for that story. Um, we're talking about I, our oh no moments. <laughs> yeah. We were talking about our oh no moments. It was really funny. Um, but yeah, from my experience, Champion and Star are much more overstable than their DX counterparts. And it takes a while for them to beat into a little bit more understable. Like my my Star T-Bird is finally now, I can turn it over a little bit. Nice. You've had that. That's probably been like your longest bag. Longest yeah. bag disc. Absolutely. Disc. The, the stamp is almost completely worn off of it. And there wasn't a big stamp to begin with. It's my favorite kind of disc. I know. I don't know why you don't just wipe your stamps, but... I don't like how it looks when you wipe them. No. Eric, what are we talking about last today? Uh, We're going to give you our top five tips that we wish we knew when we first started disc golfing. Would have been real helpful back then. Yeah, I think we would have got a lot better, and maybe we would have started a podcast earlier if... uh, had we had we started taking it more serious early on absolutely i actually looked at a thing and i i've been disc golfing since i think like 2017 so it's been almost like four years i I didn't realize that i thought i had been like two years nope four years i think you just started paying attention a lot more for two years that is that's how it works yeah um so tip five and i think both me and you are just kind of starting this year with this but play tournaments uh you get to meet a lot of great people that are, you know, willing to give you tips and help you. Um, also, just like that little bit of competition you have, you'll kind of like push yourself to be better in the game. Uh, it's uh, I I very much enjoyed my two tournaments I've played so far, and I really wish I would have started earlier. And there's many different divisions that you don't feel like you're not going to be playing people who are. Just, you know, you're not going to be playing against Paul McBeth. You're going to be playing against people who are pretty much your same skill level. There's a lot. There's all the way from novice to advanced. Um, there's all kinds of different different divisions. So you're not going to be just, you know, coming in last every single time. Yeah, that was one of the biggest things for me at the beginning. I didn't realize that there was so many different divisions. So I was scared that I was going to be playing with um, really like a professional or something. I would look like an idiot and yeah. just slow slow up the card but i i didn't that was a big big thing for me you're the best person on your card in your tournament so hey turned it around huh yeah sure did uh, i want to add on a little bit to that one too before you go to your first tournament make sure you read the rules yep make sure you know there's what actually, you're doing yeah there's actually an official rule book that you can look up and there's rules you can just read through the first tournament that I played with, I had to just kind of inform a couple of my card mates, you know, the 33 foot in, in rule, you can't jump. Like I had to tell him because, you know, you are the ref for everyone else too. You're, you're supposed to kind of like help just make sure everybody's following the rules. So I just, I really nicely was just like, Hey, just so you know, like, yeah. You're, not, you're not supposed to do that. I'm not going to like give you a stroke or anything right now, yeah. but just like, and if you have any questions about it, let me know. And like, if you are questioning whether you're 33 feet and literally ask anybody on your card, like, so it, it was just, if, if he would have read the rules, he would have known that it would have been easier. 
And then uh, on UDISC, there is a rule book part that you can go to. And then if you sign up for PDGA to be a member, you actually get a small little pocketbook of the rules sent to you. Just so you that, know. That would be helpful. Sure would. Just found that out. I got my package in. So Number four, don't buy too many molds at the beginning. The reason being, you want to get good at the discs that you have, right? I think that and it, uh, yeah, basically you want to get good at it, but it helps you learn angle control instead of just trying to throw a different disc for a different mold for each, each time you like, uh, learn how to force discs into doing different shots rather than the disc just doing the shot for you. If that makes sense. Yeah. You learn and, angle control. Yeah. That and, uh, uh, I think you'll lose a lot of less, less, a lot less discs at the beginning if you kind of learn those discs like the back of your hand. You'll know where it's going to go. Yeah, that, that's helpful. Yes, sure is. What's number three, Eric? I would say bag less discs uh, early on. Kind of goes with the less molds thing, but like when I first started off, before I was like serious about it, I had a regular backpack that I fit as many discs as I could afford in. And uh, I lost a lot of discs, a lot. Probably because one, I didn't have good form. I didn't know what I was doing. I didn't know what the flight numbers were. But if you start off with only like four or five discs that you carry around, much less likely going to lose lose them because you're not going to empty your bag on a tee shot trying to trying to figure out what you're doing wrong not to say it's not a you know having a bunch of discs isn't a bad thing like for me i i didn't lose them because i always count when i throw so if i throw a disc i just count one throw another one two so you need make sure you pick up two when you you know are walking down um so i i didn't have as much trouble losing discs but yeah it is a good rule of thumb to definitely not have as many <laughs> yeah just i feel like it makes you a little bit less less carefree because you're like oh i got another disc for that but if you don't have another disc for that you're gonna want to find that disc true story yep and uh it just gives you time to kind of figure out what what part of your game you're missing you know like what what disc you need or what shot you need to add in to your bag instead of just like having all these discs with you and you're not really sure what each disc does for you kind of thing like oh yeah i just i just have them all so i don't lose one or something like that moving on to number two i think both both me and you are advocates and i'm sure most people listening have heard this from people before but throw putters or or throw lower speed discs at the beginning Absolutely. You don't want to start off by throwing a 13-speed driver. That's what we did. That is exactly what we did. And Eric, how many trees did we hit? A whole lot. I still hit a lot of trees. Don't get me wrong. I still hit a lot of trees, too. Not typically because I'm not playing a lot of wooded courses, but like, you know, I'm I'm still more of a sprinkler, but yeah. <laughs> I think... I this I know this is what in my head I thought I see distance driver and I seen the highest number so I assumed that's what disc I had to throw to get the farthest distance far, yeah the most distance out of it and I'm pretty sure we couldn't be farther from the truth yeah I mean so putters will be able to handle a lower arm speed 
a little bit easier and and you'll have more control with that whereas if it's uh you go grab a 13 speed driver it's kind of like you know starting you know with a like a little kid and throwing them into a race car and telling them to drive it's not going to work very well you have to start them on like a little tricycle yeah and that's, then a tricycle is a putter <laughs> <laughs> it's only it's, only, it's just science okay right <laughs> And also, when you start with putters, they will show you more of what you're doing wrong. Whereas, like a 13 speed, even like the most understable 13 speed driver, if you don't have the arm speed for it, it'll still come back left. But if you start with like five to two speed mid ranges and putters, that'll show you kind of when you're rounding, when you're turning your wrist over all this other stuff that you won't notice in a driver and you'll just think you're getting better. Whereas really you're just kind of building more on those bad habits. This is laying a foundation for good habits. Mm -hmm. And then as you start to really bomb those putters and bomb those mid ranges, you can start to add like those seven speeds and the eight speeds and the nine speeds. And um, once you have a good understanding of, of what you're doing, throw, start throwing in them them distance drivers that that you've been dying to bag like it's been what two years for us and i've literally just now started adding in like a high speed driver yeah yeah i started off with a bunch of 13 speeds got rid of i think everything under seven i think i had like fd was the only seven speed and then i had a river pro um, and then mostly truths like truths was both mine and Kyle's workhorses for a long time as we tried to figure. So yeah, a little asterisk here, buy a truth. Yes. Or <laughs> if you like Discraft, you can buy a buzz. And if you like disc mania, you can buy an MD3, but truths were our, our thing. Emac truths. I don't think there's any better, any better mid range out there. Agreed. It's uh, it feels good in the hand. It's got tons of glide. It's just like the perfect disc almost. Now Kyle feels that way about Thunderbirds. I still I still bag four truths. So yeah, that's my mid range for of choice because they're so good. And tip number one, I think, kind of goes with the uh, you'll learn from throwing the putters and throwing the mid ranges uh, is throw smooth. And not hard. If you guys have never watched Danny Lindenhall, his number one saying is slow is smooth and smooth is far. And if you can build a nice smooth rhythm, it'll be much better than you standing up and trying to kill the disc. A million times better. I, I didn't know if you were done. Adding on to that, I think having a really consistent walk up and like this, you do the same exact thing every time. You can do this by recording yourself too. That that's one thing that I would do to see if you're overexerting and like putting energy into the wrong places. And you can compare that with what pros are doing through like research on YouTube. And I think that has really helped my game personally out a lot. So I think it'll help out your game too by just like, you know, paying attention to what your body is doing. Yep, breaking it down in slow-mo and putting it next to next to pros. Um, I would would push people away from trying to exactly copy pros because when they're throwing hard, they do stuff that as you're fixing your form, you shouldn't do. But uh, just like taking like, you know, you, certain throws that they can throw like no problem, 
you know, like the 350 foot foot shots, they're not trying to kill it. So those are the ones you want to copy. You don't want to copy the ones where they're throwing 500, 600 foot down the fairway because that's when they are kind of doing a bigger X step than I would suggest starting off with. I'm with you. Are you? But yeah. you're in Colorado. <laughs> well, that was a good top five. Yeah. We should do like a little intro. Like we should try and both say top five at the same time. Top five. Oh, right now? I don't know. Okay, one, or, or, two, what? three, top five. Top five. <laughs> that went <one> great. <laughs> Nailed it. <laughs> oh, wait, we should do the whole thing. Like top five, beginner tips. All right, ready? One, yep. on go or three? Three, two, one, go. Three, two, one, on go. Go on one? Go on go. Oh, on go. Three, two, one. Top. <laughs> All right, I'm going. One more, one more try. One more try. Three, two, one, go. Uh, <laughs> I don't know if it's gonna work. What if I just say right. it and you? One say more, it no, one it. more time. One more time. One more time. Right. Ready? Three, two, one. Top, Top five, five beginner <laughs> tips. I thought we were doing it really excitable. Oh, yeah. All right. Three, two, one. Top, Top five, five beginner, beginner tips. tips. Oh, yeah. I didn't do an oh, yeah. <laughs> that one was perfect. You didn't tell me to say oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. All oh, right. yeah. All right. Closing remarks. Don't forget about our Instagram giveaway. Well, Eric, I had such a fun time recording this episode. Yeah, I think it was uh, fairly more enjoyable doing it in the morning, drinking coffee together, just like old times. Yeah, man. Because, like, we used to just disc golf in the morning all the time. Yep. It's my favorite time, really. Who picked up the coffee? That's all we needed to know. That's it. Uh, But, yeah, it was nice going over the All-Star Weekend and giving you our predictions for LVC. I enjoyed the the beginner episode we had explaining some terms and then hopefully giving you guys some tips uh, to help your game. Yeah. Hopefully you guys found that uh, helpful in some way and uh, you can take whatever we said and try and apply it to your game. Yeah. If it doesn't help you, then just ignore us. Yeah. And if you found us super annoying, let us know in the comments. Yep. We're still fixing our game as well as our podcast. So that's it. Amateurs all over. Yep. If you guys aren't following our Instagram, there is a our own little starter pack giveaway that we kind of built with Discmania discs that we're giving away. So head over to at oh no disc golf and find the post and just follow the directions there. You just got to comment two friends and follow the page and uh, you'll be entered to win three discs. Everyone likes free discs. That's at oh no disc golf on Instagram, guys. Three free discs. But you can follow us anywhere, and if you message us, we'll make sure we can send you the post to help you find it. Bonus entry with a review of our podcast on Apple Podcasts. Yeah, that, that helps us out a lot. If you guys uh, know someone who has Apple Podcasts, even if they don't listen to it, if you just can just go on there and rate us five stars. It literally literally makes my day. So, yeah, go on everybody's phones and your mom and dad's phone. <laughs> Random person, <laughs> random person on the subway. See if they got Apple Podcasts. Yeah, let them know. Well, Eric, got anything else? I think that's it. Hope to see you guys next week. <laughs>